let it be known what we're talking about, right? So I got to make sure I put on my gear, understand? And my gear starts with this here, all right? So tried to fire everybody in there right? um, because you were failing kids, and there's just no excuse for that. What happened? What up, Brody? Brody. <laughs> you know, always in the Pontiac. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the back. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, episode one, man. Hey, we kicked this thing out with introductions. Folks don't may not know who we are, so, you know, it's a new podcast, new show, so we'll, uh, we'll tell them who we are. Starting with you, sir. Let the folks know who you are. Uh, Robert Simmons, coming to y'all. Uh from the D.C. area, but as you know, it's all about that Detroit hustle through and through. <laughs> Where I'm from, yeah, throwing, flowing through the veins, man. So yeah, so uh, happy to be here with 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 folks. Uh, you know, just excited to uh, be here with my homeboy um, and uh, just chop it up about things on this uh, first episode of many with no features. No features, none, none no whatsoever. So, none. so bro, so so Detroit, right? Like anybody that I meet from Detroit or anybody that I meet from Michigan, period, right? Yeah. Like, there's this pride that's associated with living in Michigan, and I need to know like where it comes from, bro. Y'all got sorry uh, sports teams. It's just a lull right now, right? We we let other people catch up. Yeah, yeah. Other people have an opportunity, like in basketball. You know, we given a pause between the Chauncey and Rip and Rashid yeah. era. We had Zeke, the Bad Boys, right? Like the best defensive basketball team in the history of the NBA is is the Detroit yeah. Pistons, yeah, right? Yeah, we yeah, trained yeah. Michael yeah. Jordan to be how great he is. Right? I always have to remind people of that. <laughs> I, like, I, I like that. I can, I can go with that because yeah. hey, y'all found yeah. y'all found the hell out of Michael Jordan. That's right. You know, no, we didn't we didn't foul him. We provided yeah. solid defense, right? We wanted to make sure <laughs> that there was a protection with the rim. I think yeah. part of it is that Detroiters are. It resembles like Baltimore to me, right? Where yeah. you're kind of yeah. stuck in Detroit. You're stuck between Toronto and Chicago. Yeah. And you're forgotten about. But the thing I always remind folks of on some real stuff is when World War II jumped off, Detroit saved our democracy because they retooled the auto plants to help mm. ensure that the war could happen because Detroit was the only place where in mass they could mass manufacture parts. Mm. Right. So with the music of Motown, uh, Coleman Young, um, shout out to Coleman Young, rest his soul. Um, I just think Detroiters are proud. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the bad boys and that's why Detroiters love the bad boys, because it embodied that Detroit, that grind, that grit. Um, and I always say to folks, if you go to the hot spots in Detroit, it's one of the few cities in America where the blue collar and the white collar ain't got no collar when they walk in because it's all mm -hmm. up. Right. Yeah, yeah, I just think yeah. that, you know, when you grow up in that environment, mm -hmm. you know, you just get attached to uh, uh, that uh, kind of hustle um, and muscle part of it. And, you know, and like, you know, you, 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 you get used to <laughs> always having your head on the swivel when you yeah. grow up in certain parts of the city. And I just think you carry it with you, uh, when you, uh, think about it. And so I just, you know, shout out to all my people in Detroit, uh, shout out to my mama who work at the library still, 
Yeah. Uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and again, Dr. King gave his first version of I Have a Dream there. Uh, Malcolm X was known as Detroit Red. So Detroit has played a prominent role in his Detroiters. You know, we take we take great pride in that. You know, you learn to roll dice in the back of the barbershop. <laughs> you go to the right spots, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Other bad habits you probably learn at the barbershop in Detroit, but we'll keep that up for another <laughs> conversation. Yeah, Brody. So yeah, proud, man. So, hey, I love it, man. Hey, pride, pride is everything. I'm from Covington, Louisiana. Nothing grandiose about Covington. Uh, about 24 miles outside of New Orleans, right? So like safe suburban life. Um, but just like everywhere else uh, that you call the suburbs, you got the tracks that kind of divide That's right. uh, the haves and the have-nots, right? And yeah. so, you know, I grew up poverty adjacent, but still proud, you know, proud, proud yeah. of my town, proud of the people that, that, that are there, proud of the people that, that come from there, right? Yeah. Um, but nothing like Detroit, man. Like, so I'm not running around here talking about, hey, Covington Hustle. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I think, you know, you also learn to appreciate what you don't have. And, you know, because issues of race are so central to life growing up in Detroit when I did at the height of the crack cocaine epidemic, um, yeah. like you either had the streets or you had sports when I was yeah. a kid. That was it. You know what I mean? And sometimes yeah. you kind of live in that middle. And, you know, and I, I grew up and chose a little bit of both until I kind of worked my way out of the streets and kind of was like, nah, that ain't yeah. for me. The homies were like, nah, this ain't the life for you. You could do something yeah. different. And shout out to my people at the West Side Clubs and played in the police athletic league with some uh, major talent, yeah. uh, played in the NFL, Major League Baseball. So, I mean, I think that uh, as a matter of fact, one of the dopest principals that's in the city of Detroit is Merlene Coakley. And she uh, was a product of the West Side Cubs um, and did a lot of youth sports there. And uh, her brothers and I um, are still good friends. And for me, growing up the way I did, they were like family to me. You yeah. know what I mean? That provided me that infrastructure that I need that I wasn't necessarily uh, getting. So, you know, Detroit, uh, Detroit made me, man. Like, I, I'm yeah. unapologetic about that. I got... I got two tattoos with uh, Detroit ink on it, so uh, you know I ain't uh, I ain't ashamed of uh, of my city uh, yeah. at all, you know. So yeah, yeah no that's doubt. what's up. So so when, but when you said that, kind of something kind of resonated for me, right? Because like yeah. sports and that whole sport dynamic, right? Yeah. So like I grew up under the uh, the Friday night lights, right? So like football in Louisiana is huge, bro. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm, so so Friday night, everybody. Everybody's at the stadium, right? Like nobody is is anywhere else. And the same thing with basketball. So I hooped in high school, right? I'm yeah. pretty decent. I was pretty decent. Pretty decent. Oh, you can so, give it to them? Yeah, I, 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 I was pretty decent, right? Okay. And so, but what you what you just said about just like the fine line between just like mm -hmm. athletics and like drugs, bro. Like it's yeah, real not. easy to kind of cross that line. And I think that one of the reasons why it's easy to cross that line is the sneaker game. Get in on sneakers, you know I love some sneakers. Right, but I, but but I'm just but think about it, right? Like you yeah. when you think about when you think about dope boys, dope boys. First, the first first introduction to hot sneakers that I've seen, right? Besides oh, the, the, the Sky Jordans I saw in like '83, '84 that I had, right? What? But, um, bro, that was some Adidas forums, right? Forums. What about the some top pins, bro? Yes. Yes, Come on. but like, but but I saw these Adidas, these Adidas, Adidas forums. The varsity basketball team was playing in Adidas forums, and then they started playing in like the force, the the, the first yeah, force. Yeah, 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 bro. 
I fell in love with hoops then. I'm just like, yo, that's crazy. But then when you see the dope boys, they got on the hot sneakers and whatnot, man. man they was rocking. Came. They were rocking feelers. Yeah, valleys. Lottos when I was a kid, man. Valleys. That B you right there, I mean? bro. Yeah, yeah man. Like, yeah. That's that's when you know. And then in the wintertime, they had the triple fats going on and max. Man, like of course, of course you know, course. it's and and the thing about Detroit, man, is that you know, I always have to remind folks that like Big Meach and what they did, yeah. Yeah. Like, it all started in Detroit. You of know course, what I mean? Of course. Like, yeah. and, and again. It's it's really important to understand like the line between the streets, sports, and schools. Sometimes the lines were blurred, yeah. and and for a lot of brothers in particular, they ended up on the wrong side of it. And there are a lot of tragic stories. Like Keith Appling was an All-American basketball player, Pershing High School, um, All-American uh, at Michigan State, and like he's locked up right now on a murder case, right? And he's had trouble ever since he left Michigan State University, right? So it's almost like brothers sometimes have to figure out how to navigate it all. And, you know, sometimes sports is your way out. But sometimes sports can also be a deeper way in if you can't step too far away from it. And I think that's the dilemma facing so many brothers um, uh, in uh, places like uh, Detroit. And it and it. And it hurts, man, because you see it all the time. And sometimes it's just uh, unnecessary. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to uh, traffic in uh, the trope of uh, of negative black masculinity. Um, yeah, shout yeah. out to one of my former students is a brother named Raphael Wright. And he's been on CNN and all these channels. And he's getting ready to launch, um, I think, the first black owned grocery store in the last few years. I mean, there have been black owned okay. grocery stores before. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's really doing it big and building out some acreage for uh, for a farm behind and near the grocery store that he's building um, and it's done some crowdsourcing to fund it. So there's a lot of success stories uh, that come out of the city that I think people need to tell. Jalen Rose launching his charter school, which has done really well, I think is an important story. Um, and, you know, some of the OGs like Coleman Young um, has done real well. So I, I can't uh, I can, and, you know, Coleman Young was a peer of Marion Berry. So, you know, you got the OGs like that. that us to play. <laughs> Uh, yeah. you know, of how to uh, uh, navigate uh, the block, the street, and uh, and the field and the uh, uh, the hardwood when need be. I wasn't much of a hardwood cat. I was that dude where, you know, you show up, especially when you played in the suburbs, and they'd be like, oh, we got him first because, you know, you the black dude. Man, yeah. you get out there, they'd be like, man, why we pick this dude first? <laughs> Look, I got files, man. I'm a football yeah. player, so, like, yeah. Hey, um, you gotta use, hey, you gotta use them files. Hey, that's that Bill Lambeer approach. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> like, what, so, man? Like, so, bro, two dope boys in a Pontiac podcast. What, let's let's do a quick pivot. The name, man, because the name kind of name kind of came from you. Yeah, um, man. I threw some things out there, but like, what 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 was your thought process? Look, man. Shout out to um, my grandmother, uh, Henrietta Wyden. She had a sky blue Grand Prix. Her Sky Blue Grand Prix, my favorite memory was getting in her Sky Blue Grand Prix and popping in this Earth, Wind, and Fire 8-track. <laughs> and it was yeah. the dial. Like, you know, they had the numbers on the dial in the 8-track, and you had to, you know, hit the button in order for it to go forward. And then yeah. if it came out all jacked up, you had to use the Scotch tape to tape it together. And for <laughs> me, you know, uh, the... The Pontiac Grand Prix 
was my ride. My very first car was a Pontiac 6000 that my uncle gave to me, and it had a digital dash. Okay. I was like, yo, man, I'm killing. I got a digital dash. I took it. I Man, I worked a, a summer job at the zoo scooping ice cream so I could stack my cheese and get me a new sound system in that boy. Man, I thought I was riding around in my Pontiac 6000, bro. But it was yeah. all predicated on the fact that my granny had that Pontiac Grand Prix and it yeah. was sky blue. And in yeah. Detroit, you had you either GM, yeah. a Ford, or a Chrysler. Okay. Right? And so for me, um, it pays homage to my granny uh, who helped raise me with Mom Dukes, but yeah. also understanding that the Pontiac played an important role in the lives of so many people. You know what I mean? Like it was the ride to get to school. My homeboy, Arthur Attaway, um, he had a white Pontiac Grand Prix when we were in high school. Like I wasn't fortunate enough to have no car in high school. I was on the city bus. But every yeah. time I used to see it, I used to be like, woo-wee. <laughs> I had me one of them Pontiacs uh, one day. Uh, yeah. Pontiacs was uh, cold. So that's uh, that's where it came from. Uh, and it pays uh, homage uh, to urban America, right? Urban America is built on cars. Like, you know, yeah. you, you needed a car other than like New York and D.C. probably like, yeah. You know, you needed a car. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I mean, so cl- clearly, you know that I didn't name the podcast because I hate American cars. And so, come on, come on, come on, come on, man. We got to jump in some farm, some easy to. Hey, I'm a Honda man. So it was two, okay. little, two little boys, two little boys in a Honda podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, give me a Pontiac, baby. Give me a yeah. Pontiac. I feel it though. I hear you. <laughs> What's up? No doubt. So quick pivot because we got a lot of things to talk about, but I wanted people to know who we are and get kind of you know the, the the story behind the podcast name. So the first the first the first thing we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about insecure, <sighs> aka right. Man, and we so, be trolled on this, dog. Uh, a- a- absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. In the show. The first episode of the season that premieres Sunday shows our main characters at a Stanford University alumni event. Tiffany Dubois, a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, portrayed by actress Amanda Seals, is pictured wearing pink and green, aka colors, and then wearing a sweater with Greek letters on it. Since the episode's release, it has caused many to hit social media, to voice the disapproval of it, and with some feeling it was downright disrespectful. Okay, so hold up, this girl is not a sewer and had my shield on her body? Insecure HBO? Please do not do that again. That's wildly disrespectful. But of course, along with the disapproval, there's others that believe the outrage is unjustified and downright petty. Breaking. Local women discover actors are paid to pretend to be things they are not. Swore is trademarked. It literally couldn't air without approval first. Laughing face emojis. Delete this. The backlash and outrage even called for the show's creator and star Issa Rae to respond in the form of a tweet. Oh shit, let me tell HBO to delete the one on the upcoming episode then. Hold on. Not only did Ray respond, but Seals herself uploaded a post on Instagram in defense of the show. Y'all may have Googled it, and then this site, AnswersToAll.com, answers to some, because you got these answers wrong this time, saying shit that ain't true. I am not a member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. My schools when you purchased didn't even have a chapter. And by the Hey, I cut it off when she said SUNY purchase. I couldn't take her serious no more. So, 
thoughts about this, man. So, so what what are your initial thoughts? First of all, as I understood and followed this on social media, like mm-hmm. I want to be clear, I'm not in a Greek letter organization, mm-hmm. right? So I want to I want to get at is is context, right? Okay. Yep. One, it's a television show mm-hmm. with actors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So let's start there. Second of all, from what I understand, and I went back and watched some of it just to make sure I understood some context. Yeah. Yeah, rock pink and green before in the show. Okay. So I'm like, what, y'all ain't got nothing else better to do today other than like troll this show? Like, what's the deal? Third of all, yeah. if I'm in the sorority, I'm like, oh, this for free publicity. Yeah. Yeah. We about to we about to hit them up and say, like, look, appreciate the love. So here's what we about to do. Can yeah. you come and speak at our next conference? Would you donate to support um, black women who are AKAs going into medical school, law school, whatever? I would have used it as an opportunity to promote the good things about Alpha Kappa Alpha, mm-hmm. service to, to the community and the good things that they do. Like, I, I did not understand, like, the outrage and like, and yeah. what? Can't nobody else wear pink and green in the world? Like what? What's going on here? So, and last thing I say, bro, don't y'all got other things to worry about in the world? Like kids ain't eating. Like there are other priorities in the world other than this. Brothers and sisters in Haiti getting kidnapped and like, like things are a mess all over the world. And this is what we decide to invest energy in. So again, you know. That's one perspective. I just thought, hey. That's one perspective. So, so I am a member of a Greek letter organization. I'm the Q's, right? And so here's the deal, right? So I understand it from the perspective of those people that were like peeved by this. And the reason why I say that is because like there's certain things that you go to in order to be members of an organization, right? And so you there's some there's some kind of experience there's experiences that you go through that like these people that have never gone through these experiences, right? Are now on television, like flaunting your stuff that you worked hard for, right? Things that you, things you had to go through, right? Without getting into any kind of specifics, because you know, no doubt, yeah, let's not get into right, this. right, right, right. And so, and so, you know, first of all, you know, it's it's the it's the history for me, bro. It's the history piece, yeah, for me, yeah. right? It's like I'm not gonna get on, I'm not gonna get on air and disrespect anybody's history, especially organizations that organizations that uplift the black community. Organizations that have been around for a hundred years plus, right? Like I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going to do that. There's other things that you can do in other ways in which you can kind of, you know, do your show. Like they could, they could have wore pink and green. They could have had different letters, and everybody would have known what that would have meant. And it wouldn't have been you coming on talking about, hey, um, next, let me call HBO, whatever, whatever, right? So like, yo, you're not going to just blow off all this history, bro, and not get no smoke. That's cr- that's crazy. I'll give you a perfect example. All right. Perfect example. Um, God bless the dead. Kobe Bryant. When Kobe Bryant was in high school at Lower uh, Lower Marion, right? He had dunked one time, and then he threw the hooks up, right? Because he saw Shaq do it, right? So the bros went and had a little conversation with him about why that's not in his best interest to do that. Gave him some historical context as to like why he shouldn't be doing that, right? You never saw Kobe do anything like that ever again, right? So I think that it's a different kind of energy when you go when you when you when you pull up, right? And like one thing about the bros 
you disrespect the brother, the brother's gonna pull up. They don't care what 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 section, center, and life you're in and whatnot. We're pulling up, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but the difference between you know a sorority is that first of all, they don't really have access to Easter Ray like that, so they have to troll, right? Because they're not gonna be able to be in the same spaces as her. But I guarantee you, if you had some of them that was able to be in that same space, they would have a a, a nice little word with her about how disrespectful they felt. Some of them. But what about the free publicity? So the free, the free publicity part, like I hear you, but I don't want that free publicity. <laughs> oh man, we, hey, I don't but, want that. I don't want it like that. No, but in order for in order for the organizations to function at a large scale, you yeah. need people to pay nah, membership. No, nah, but bro, let me tell you well, something. No, you, something. you go to man, you go to an HBCU. And you see, you see how many, how many, how many girls in them HBCUs that want to be Delta, want to be uh, AKAs, want to be Zetas, want to be uh, SG Rose, bro. Man, them lines be like two hundred. <laughs> hey, they don't need no, they don't, they don't need that, man. Just, this, just the history alone, right? Is, is, is enough for. Well, what would have made it right if they gave some more historic context, or just think if they, it all? I think if they would have gave some more historical context, or if they would have just lo- used a different set of, 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 of letters, right? Like I just, I just feel like ah. Also, in, in Best Man, one of the best men, um, they had did something similar. I think Mars Chestnut had portrayed the role. He was Giants running back, and I yeah. think he portrayed the role of, a, of, of an Omega, even though he's in another fraternity, right? So, like, that had me tight, because I'm like, bro, you're in another fraternity. Like, rep your he's own acting. job. Nah, man. Yo, yo, besides movies, let's be honest. Besides movies, what is what has Mars Chestnut done, man? You can't get him on a sitcom and it, and it get past more than one season. Well, don't bash your brother because he ain't have a more than one season on a sitcom. What that got to do with, with the movie just, and, the, saying, and the fraternity stuff? Like, well, you know, just, your brother's talented. You know, he, he does his thing in, in, in the movie. So, I mean, you know, shout out to Morris Chestnut. I think Morris Chestnut should come on one of these episodes so y'all can have this conversation. Because now I'm curious, like, oh, he's in a fraternity. That's not that's it, yeah. It is because, like, you you heard her. She was like, "Yo, I went to SUNY Purchase. I'm I'm not even in the sorority. They didn't even have a chapter." Okay, let me they give you this. Never gonna have a chapter at SUNY Purchase. <laughs> I would not be mad if someone who has earned three letters, yeah, yeah. as a doctoral degree, if someone yeah. was to portray a professor on a show. I mean, that's, that's, that's different. Even though it's, it's totally different. Even though yeah. the mental the mental haze that carries right. over to the physical haze. Of getting your doctorate rivals that of any uh, membership organization, right? Like, so I, I I will give you that something that I'm going through myself right now, but not to the point to where I'm gonna be in anybody's space. Like, nah, I, I, I I mean, you know, like I just think the other things to worry about. Absolutely, one hundred percent, right? One hundred percent. Other things to worry. I just would have taken a different approach. I would have tried to get Issa Rae to give the sorority some money fund some scholarships or if they would have had like something at the end of the show which mm-hmm. like a a, a a statement about the sorority and its impact on black women and then it that would have worked okay i i can yeah. agree with okay give me some yeah. historic context however yeah. she did wear pink and green in other episodes and it wasn't issue i i mean the, the combination of pink and green itself bothers me right like i don't think that it looks like i it, this doesn't all right, we're gonna move on. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, all right, so so next up, bro, 
we got um dads on duty, right? I, I, man, listen, hey, so I know earlier you were talking about just like, you know, making sure that we don't sit in like negative tropes of like black men and stuff, right? But this right here, bro, this right here, it, 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 it got it. Whew. When the SOS went up at a troubled school, who answered the call? A bunch of DADs. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Plagued with violence. Over the course of three days, another fight. 23 students arrested for fighting. Massive police response. But strangely, there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal justice. No, no. Your qualifications are? Well, dads, we decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who? For us. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about 40 Southwood. Bro, when you first saw it, man, what, 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 what were your thoughts? Because like, I, I know it's, it's a range of things that could be thought with regards to this segment. Well, one, my first thought was, good for them, like being involved as black men because I know the data on black fatherhood. Black fathers are much more involved than the mainstream media actually gives us credit for. So I wanna start there. Mm -hmm. So I had love for them like, oh, all right. Because th there are schools that actually have violence interrupters that are paid employees. Right. That in high schools in particular and some alternative schools. Right. Like yeah. and they're trained in restorative practices, restorative justice work and things like that. So there was that part of me. It was like good for them. Like, you know, great. But I also think like. It puts the school in a bad light. Of course it does. Like <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like three days in a row, 23 kids like what what's happening here? Like what? Yeah. What kind of what school is this? Like I ain't never worked in a school ever, where, ever. And I was ever. like, who is the principal? Who's the superintendent? Yes. What's causing this? Like, what's the root cause of these young root people? Cause analysis, school, baby. Yes, sir. Yep. So violent and so angry. Like, what what happened? Right. Because yep. again, shout out to the dads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We will say right, and and I won't name no names on social media. Right. Mm. But I saw some people just trolling these brothers without. Really? Yeah. Oh. Like, well, who's the principal? Them dads. Yeah. Since, since I was like, and these were black men who were also fathers. Okay. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like, yeah. you got to have nuanced conversation with this. Like, it can't just be, oh my God, those they shouldn't be there. Because again, I, I've led schools before. And like trying sure. to get parents to volunteer in mass and in a coordinated way like that is hard yeah. Yeah. because parents have jobs and like all sorts of other things. Right. So I think that that is important. But I also think there's a legacy of black people, regardless of male or female, yeah. stepping in to support schools because schools are hubs of communities like that's how schools typically ran in the black community. So it's not unusual. And when people do that type of analysis, I'm like, yo, 
that's an ahistoric understanding of how schools work. Like, come on, man, y'all are tripping. But yep. I digress. <laughs> Bro, so when I first saw it, man, listen, I immediately reached out to those dudes. I was trying to get them to come on their hands, man. I'm like, yo, hey, y'all come through, y'all pull up, whatever, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, am in, I am in contact with them. I am in communication with uh, the, uh, the niece. And then she put me in a group chat with uh, with the two founders that the um, one oh, of the Shreveport, yeah. the Shreveport uh, one, and then there's another one because these are Louisiana wow. schools, and you know Louisiana is, is is my place of birth, so like you know I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm definitely interested in in um and eventually getting them on a show, yeah. right? But then but you know how it works, right? When the uh the glamour of the first iteration of something that occurs and you got CNN, you got Anderson, you got, you know, you got all these people that are getting live. Right. And so, you know, the hands hitting you up or, or us hitting you up and whatnot, you know, that's going to be like, you know, maybe like two, three months down the road when, <laughs> when, 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 you know, you're not really getting, you're not really getting those calls anymore. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I understand, I get it. But um, so I, I put I, I did a screenshot, put it on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. And then you know, gave my analysis of what was going on. Bro, that, that thing is at nine hundred thousand uh people that have interacted or engaged with that piece, right? Over a thousand shares or whatever, and like the majority of it is positive in the All sense right. that you know exactly what you said initially when you were like, Hey, black dads are way more involved than yeah. uh the negative tropes that get associated with being a black father, right? And yeah. so Chris, Chris from uh, A Black Hands, he says this all the time. Um, when you're looking at when you're looking at data on black dads, it's not necessarily if the father is in the household That's that right. says if the father is contributing into the life of the kid, right? That's there are right. things that could that that can go differently. Everything is not perfect or whatever. But I guarantee you that these dads are out there on the field coaching That's teams. Right. Um and doing the things that they need to do to be involved and engaged in their kids' lives. Yeah. And they really don't get the credit for it. But one yeah. thing that I can say about black men is that we don't do it for the credit. That's right. We do it for the kids. Like yeah. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't need any credit for 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 being a good right. dad. Right? right. That's just what I do. That's yeah, what we've man. always done. Yeah. And I just think about my ten year old man and the fact that uh, one day he he he's trying to figure out whether he want to be a a, a game programmer, a, a gamer, or whatever. Or be the next LeBron James, right? And so he's like, Dad, like I want to get into hoops. I was like, All right. So I'm like, All right, let's 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 get you a a, a private coach. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I want to see what you got. I know it's gonna cost more bread. And he's like, Yeah, but like the only time that he can meet is like in the middle of the day because this was during the summer, right? And I was like, I'll take my lunch break to go do that, right? And moms called me like, yo, I heard you taking him to do this. And it's during your lunch hour. Like, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, but I ain't doing it for you to be proud of me. I'm doing it because <laughs> yeah. he said he want to play basketball. And like, yeah. you know, like, I want him to have that experience. And I think there's so many unsung, uh, untold stories of, of particular black dads doing these types of things. Um, like I had one of my homeboys in uh, Michigan. Um, shout out to the homie Ricky Fountain, superintendent of uh, Hope Charter School there. And his uh, his his he's my inspiration for how involved he is with his kids. Like he spent a whole weekend in the mid and he's a U of M alumni. And like it was Michigan, Michigan State this past weekend. He's like, man, I got to go to this soccer game. So oh, wow. like, 
text me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah. Steve's name for Michigan. Yeah. Michigan State. What? Yeah. yeah. He's like, look, man, you got to text me to score, but like, I can't watch the game. My baby girl got soccer. And then I got to take my, my son, Max, to such and such a place. So yeah. I got things to do. And, you know, like that, that to me is not efficient. him looking for a reward or acknowledgement. Yep. It's yep. him doing that. He will say he does it because he didn't have that. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so I do think that there is that piece of it, at least for myself, because my father's lifelong incarceration um, and his father uh, passed away when he was really young. And so he didn't grow up with that. So I think that there's some motivation uh, there. But again, I just think that the story of black fathers uh, being present for their kids isn't the dominant narrative that we see or hear. Um, and there's a brother named David Miller, who's a PhD student at Morgan State, who has done a lot of research on black fathers. Um, and uh, he is always talking about the ways um, in which black fathers uh, show up in the lives of their children. So, um, you know, I just think that we need to tell a different story and shout out to them brothers. Like if they come on the hands, like yeah. they need to come on the hands, first of all, but you know, neither <laughs> here nor there. Um, yeah. you know, I just think that, um, there's so many, uh, stories of, uh, brothers doing well and, you know, haters gonna hate anyway. So fact, yeah. So like, they need to keep showing up and we need to replicate the model that they have in yeah. communities across the country. They doing something like that here in DC in different iterations of it. They do stuff like that in Cleveland, Chicago, New York. Like it, it's not unique, but the story caught fire because the white mainstream media oftentimes thinks, oh my God, like this is a new story. Like, nah, like this ain't saying what we do. Yeah, it's yeah. What we do. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. What else you got? Bro, so funny you should mention what else yeah. I have. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, next up, um, and I, I think you're going to find some particular interest in this. Um, so titled, uh, white men have the edge. Oh, man, I posted the, this on Twitter too. In the school principal pipeline, uh, research says. And so I kind of want you to set this up, right? Uh, from like a, a, a researcher standpoint in terms of just like, you know, the need for black principals. And what the research says, and then what the practicalities of the work uh, is saying. So here's the thing, right? Before I get into like the principal piece of it, I want to get into the research on hiring and race. People of color are much more likely to hire people of color. Mm -hmm. That's a statistical fact based on what we know um, from HR research. Um, the research that uh, brother Ramon Goings has done at UMBC, where he and another brother down in, uh, in Florida have done research on the hiring practices around diversifying the teaching force, which is super interesting because it's a relatively new way of thinking about uh, that particular piece of research. The second piece is, is that oftentimes for brothers, we know disproportionately when they get asked to leave the classroom, they get yeah. shoved into these disciplinary, non-academic roles. Yes, sir. And in this culture of the principal or school leader should be the instructional leader, if yeah. you don't have an opportunity to flex your instructional leadership muscle, you're never considered for those roles. Disproportionately, yeah. white men aren't placed into these disciplinary roles. They're placed into instructional roles. 
Right. Well, one, one because they can't really do it. But all right, go ahead. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> you know, shout out to my homeboy, Ryan Vernash in uh, Minnesota. Like, he's an amazing principal at Maxfield. White dude. Uh, he he holds it down. So we gonna have, I'm going to have to give him a free pass. Uh, yeah. Although he is a Green Bay Packer fan, so we, we don't speak when the Lions play the Packers. But anyway, and so part of it is that it's important to realize that the conversation around black teachers has to run in parallel, or black male teachers has to run in parallel to increasing the number of black principals, but also ensuring that we include sisters in the conversation because we also know disproportionately when black people do get promoted to superintendents, either in public school districts and in charter school districts and, and, and single site LEAs, they're more likely to be black men. Right. So at the same time, we have to think through, yes, we need more black male teachers, but we also have to recognize if black male teachers are the smallest percentage of that subset of educators. It also means that we should see more black women being promoted into leadership at the same time. So the two things uh, go together. Um, but again, you know, it's also not different. And there's a great book um, about white male mediocrity. Um, and how you can be, be a mediocre white guy and get promoted in corporate, in the nonprofit <laughs> sector, in schools. And we also see this in parallel to white yeah. failure in a nonprofit. And then you turn around and some funder will give you another million dollars, even though you failed the first five times. Let's give you another million dollars. Right. And so, again, the role of whiteness in this stuff is critical, right? And I ain't gonna throw shade on no big uh, uh, <laughs> organizations. All of do it is that, 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 you know, some of these organizations get bred simply because they have white leadership with good ideas, but no positive impact. But yet you have black people, Latinx people, indigenous folks and uh, Southeast Asian brothers and sisters that produce outcomes and results, but yet we know, based on the report from uh, Bridgespan, Echoing Green, and other places, that Black leaders and leaders of color in general in schools and the nonprofit sector have a much more challenging time uh, getting this type of uh, revenue. And I think this is where it's important to shout out uh, uh, my sister in the struggle, uh, Naomi Shelton, and the work that she's doing with her organization. Shout out, Nay. Yeah, shout her out, man. Shout her out. Okay. Just yeah. talk to her yeah. today, man, on the Zoom call. Shout her out. Um, to support black and brown leaders in education who are leading, in particular, single site LEAs. Because when you're doing a single site LEA challenge, that's a whole other set of circumstances uh, of trying to, which, you know, you're familiar with. I am preaching to the choir on that. You know what I mean? Like, it's a whole <laughs> yeah. other set of challenges and circumstances. So, you yeah. know, like, but again, I don't know why people would be surprised about it either. Like, it's America. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, so that's, that's interesting, right? And so yeah. what, I, what I would say about this is, uh, you got to be willing to, like, as, as a black leader, uh, superintendent uh, of, of of any level, uh, traditional uh, public school district or charter school network, yeah. um, you got to be willing to send that elevator back down, right? And there are going to be some times. Yeah. 
that you're going to get burned. There are going to be some times when you're going to be like, damn, I made the wrong hire because a person looked like me, but you can't give up on your people, right? That's right, man. It's like you got to keep sending that thing back down. And yeah, you are going to get burned. Yeah, things are not going to be perfect, right? But you learn uh, through experience. You learn through uh, giving people opportunity. And like, you got to look at it like big picture, right? Like, yeah, who's going to bless you for you doing this work? God is going to bless you for doing this That's work. Right. You can't be looking at any other kind of affirmation of this work that you're doing because it's godsend type work right yeah. and so and that's how you have to approach the work that's that's what works for me in terms of like you know sending the elevator back down and making sure that you know, i love that analogy man. That, that's a book yeah other people that look like me uh get the opportunity to to, to front face and, and lead and do the things that 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 we need to do and then also when you were mentioning before about the sisters man like listen i've learned so much from working with sisters and um uh, and nice. and I mean, even if even if I if I gave it up today and I went back into the classroom, I would only want to work for a black woman. Yeah, man, that's real <laughs> yeah. talk. I mean, one yeah. of, and again, I think you send the elevator back down, and um, you know, one of the dopest black women that I've ever had as a peer and as a colleague, but has also been a mentor. She may not even know it, but because of her brilliance, her grace, and the skill with which she navigated whiteness in a nonprofit was very different than mine. You know what I mean? And I've since evolved for the most part, um, where it is sister named Sherelle James. And she um, was a uh, school leader in Baltimore, uh, works for a teacher prep organization currently um, and brilliant, right? Grace Spellman sister, uh, shout out to all the Spellman sisters uh, checking out uh, the podcast. Uh, got to, cause moms went to Spellman. And, you know, right, let's go. Like, what you doing, bro? You ain't shout us out. Yeah. Um, shout, out and, shout out Temple. Shout out Temple. Yeah, you got to shout out TUMF. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, <laughs> about Temple, uh, you know. But uh, I think that um, you know, it's it's super important to acknowledge and and uh, lift up the dope sisters that that do the work um, in particular. Because again. I learned a lot from Sherelle James, right? Yeah. And just the ways in which she navigated in the same with Naomi when she was on the DC public school, the DC yeah. charter school board, the ways in which she navigated politically was a lesson uh, for me. Um, and so there's just so many dope uh, sisters that um, are out here doing um, amazing work uh, that I just am like, I don't know if I would have that much grace because no, somebody would yeah. catch hands. Like, Absolutely. Yo, you know, I like, look. Now, we got to be in the parking lot. Yeah. But full school. Facts. I think they could teach a master class in terms oh, of absolutely. like Naomi could teach a master class in terms of just like how to da- navigate like white space and then also like how to navigate like black space when you got people that don't love themselves that come at you for no for no good reason. Right. Look, hey, so- look <laughs> don't let me open up the can of words. I, I literally just had a call with her today. And, yeah. and like I, I'm sitting here like, yo, you know how many people want to open up a can on her whenever she mentions school choice. And I'm sitting every time it happens, I just sit there and watch and I'm just like, so let me understand. I don't even want to open up a can on school choice. Cause yeah, don't do it. Cause it going down my rabbit hole of like, well, what's wrong with school choice? You can choose. You absolutely could choose. And there's different ways in which they choose as well. One being, one being, let me go ahead and buy, let me go ahead and buy this house in false church. So I can then, <laughs> but we'll get to Virginia before we leave. We gotta talk about Virginia yeah, before we come leave. Come on down to, to but VA. I want, but I wanna, I want to, I want to kind of um, pivot 
into into this that's happening in New York. And I want to um I want to talk about it because it's it's a parallel mm-hmm. in terms of what happened in um what happened in Atlanta, right? And so there's a cheating scandal that happened at a uh I want to say a well-to-do high school in in New York. Yeah. And so earlier uh this year the principal was fired. And then uh, now we got teachers that have been ousted from the, from the classroom, right? And so um, if you're if you're not from New York, uh, New York has a uh, a yearly test for high schoolers. It's called the Regents Exam. And so what it does is it kind of tests uh, what students have learned from the beginning of the course to the end of the course. So, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a summatory um, type of test, right? And so these teachers were given the answers to the students. Right, um, I guess to bolster the um, the the region's pass rates. Right, some would even argue that uh, some of these regions are just not very hard to take as a student. Right, mm-hmm. and so you know you have them doing that, but then you know you have them only losing their jobs. Now right. I take you back to Atlanta, when you had black folks that were involved in uh, a cheating scandal, and this was front page news this was worldwide yo this was worldwide news you made a documentary right? about the whole joint so my question to you is why do they cover it differently man look i mean i just think the ways in which the media covers whiteness in general mm-hmm. is problematic right i think that um the ways in which they covered and you know no no shade, like it's sad, it's tragic with the young uh, white woman that lost her life. I think it was in Wyoming or Utah, wherever it was. Um, and then they found the boyfriend dead in Florida. Like it's, it's all tragedy, right? But it's all equal tragedy because it's a loss of life, right? And when I think about the number of indigenous girls and young women that have lost their lives in Montana, yeah. like it's in the 700s or something number, right? And they just did a Vice News story about it. And like, it's not on the front page of the newspaper. Um, And I just think, you know, there's stories of black success that don't get told, but white mediocrity gets celebrated on the front of the newspaper. And in this case, you know, there are nuances to the Atlanta cheating story, right? That I think is super important for people to understand and some of it is a byproduct of the pressure that many teachers feel. Um, there may be bonuses attached. There may be mm-hmm. student loans that they may have. Mm-hmm. So there's all of these pressures. It's not to excuse it, right? Like I'm not, right. I'm not suggesting yeah. that. All I'm saying is, is that we also have to own in education and society that we've created a bit of a culture where there's all of this added pressure on teachers to produce on yeah. these standardized exams, but yet oftentimes resources don't follow. And like, there are all of these other mitigating factors. Um, and I had not even uh, heard the whole story. I saw it on social media, but I yeah. hadn't really done uh, my due diligence to even read all of it uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, <laughs> right. I, I'm like, well, you know, it just so happens. And, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but I will, but it just so happens that they got caught, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I just don't, it's it's just like, you know, shout out to, to all my basketball people, but like 
Coach K at Duke, he ain't getting them uh, all them five stars without somebody getting that tractor or that bag. <laughs> I'm hey, sorry. People, hey, people don't want to talk about it. People don't want – hey, and he's better, I mean, he's, better, he's better at covering his trail than Rick Pitino was. Yeah, like he just – yeah, like he just didn't get caught, right? And again, I'm not suggesting he's a bad basketball coach. Just like I'm, I'm not suggesting that all teachers cheat or anything like that. All I'm saying is, is that it is statistically possible – for it not to happen more, mm-hmm. right? Because you have people under such pressure, in particular at white affluent schools, mm-hmm. to perform because of the public perception of what whiteness represents mm-hmm. in our education system, right? And this is where we get into understanding that whiteness has value in society and in education. And what it actually stands for is super important, right? And I think that people lose sight of that. And, you know, it's, it's like, well, okay. Like how come they not on the front of the newspaper in the New York times mm-hmm. or whatever the newspaper is uh, up in the spot. Do y'all have other newspapers out in the New York times? New Yo, York? That was the post. That was the post. That's the tabloid. So that was, <laughs> oh. I think I, I think the post is the tabloid. Cause my, I was on the front <laughs> of the post. I, hey, I ran into some, some, uh, some problems about six years ago and I was, Front pace on the post, and man, you ain't have a uh, problem, man. It was it was an opportunity for growth and improvement for other people. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. A- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you got absolutely. it's all about framing, man. It's all about yeah, it's, it's, yo, one hundred percent, right? And so, like, yeah. once I learned how to frame it, it became different. Like, I became a yeah, man. You know, you can't uh, you can't <laughs> run from. Uh, I remember seeing my picture on the Washington uh and the Washington Post, and my mother was like, "You know, you're in a, on the Washington Post." I was like, "Well." Like, and I start reading the comment section. I'm hot. I'm like, you don't know me. And my mother's like, dude, why are you reading the comment section? Oh no, I never do that. I never do. Yo, listen. Anytime, yo, so I got Google alerts when when something happens and my school comes up or whatever. But one thing that I will not do ever read the comments is I will never go to the comments, right? Especially yeah. where I'm at. I'm out on Long Island, and and I tell everybody Long Island is like Mississippi times ten. Right? Is it because really? The, what? I ain't the never thought that. So the difference is, is that, you know, on Long Island, mm. uh, race, racism is subtle, right? So you'll have people that will smile, smile in your face and you'll think that, man, we're good, right? Whereas down south, racism is more overt. You at least know where they stand, right? There is no second okay. guessing or anything like that, right? So I'd rather know where you stand than to not know, right? Okay. So yeah, it's tough out here, but yo, we got to get to this next segment, segment, and then we're gonna close out with uh, with your your home state and the treachery that just happened. No, no, uh, it's not my home state. I just happened to I'm live talking, in Virginia. You live there now, so it's your home state. No, no, De- Detroit is always home. Let's be clear. <laughs> I just happen to live in other places, so like, like yeah. let's, be, let's be clear. Let's be clear. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but the place where you live now, uh, is treachery that occurred, but um. Want to get to this first because this is important. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so that's the action that's happening tonight. Uh, not going to lie, we saw some footage of Zion Williamson that caught your guys' attention, and I, I'd like to see it now. So this is Zion warming up. We don't have him. It could be another two, three weeks. But Chuck, you you had a visceral reaction to this. It looked like me and Shaq had a baby. They gonna do? I look like. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I gotta get. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> what do you look like, like Chuck? Me and you had a baby. God dang. This dude. 
He's good in New Orleans. Word about Chico. I'm, oh, man. I'm, I'm, no, and, and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm joking and I'm serious. What do you look like? <laughs> like, ooh, we had a baby over the summer. <laughs> hey, you know what, Adam? Yeah. First of all, I'm concerned. Okay. I am really concerned oh. about... You know when, and I tell this story, and I'm, 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 I'm being critical. It, it is what it is. Moses Malone. Moses Malone said to me, he said I was fat and lazy, and I started to cry a little bit. And really? Yeah, oh, I did. One of, I mean, because I couldn't kick his ass. Yeah. I mean, he was Moses Malone. But it, it was a turning point in my career. Bro, we've seen it. We've seen it happen, man. We have seen it. Listen, 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 listen. I'm a fantasy basketball connoisseur. Yeah. Right? I am such a connoisseur of fantasy basketball. I am in two leagues. Okay. Such to the point, I'll wake up at four in the morning to check my stats and make sure my waiver wires go through. Okay. Right? Yeah. I, I had my first two picks were Paul George and Sabonis from the Pacers. And I'm okay. killing that, right? So I'm a connoisseur of fantasy basketball. Yeah. Zion Williamson is a liability in fantasy basketball, he's damn sure a liability for the Pelicans. Now, but I also don't understand who's in his ear because the heavy you are with the type of explosiveness that he generates with his knees and his ankles, Mm -hmm. there are so many test cases of athletes who are overweight, Oliver Miller, who was mm-hmm. really skilled. Glenn Big Baby Davis. Glenn Big Baby Davis. Yeah. All these. Raymond pre- Felton. Yep. They're yeah. all of these. Anthony Bennett, who was the number one pick, had weight yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah. And like Charles Barkley slimmed himself down. Yes, he and did. Charles Barkley took his craft serious. Rick yeah. Mahorn was a bigger guy. Yeah. He wasn't as explosive. But Rick Mahorn was always solid. Now Rick Mahorn, you know, he 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 pretty big by right now, but he ain't playing basketball. He ain't getting that bag right now. Or he getting the bag, he ain't getting that big of a bag. Right. And for me, the thing with Zion, when I saw that, I was shocked. I was like, all these people saying he over 300. I was like, bro, like yeah. who who is in his ear? Because you're gonna shorten your career and as a black man. You are going to shorten your life. your life yes, by carrying all of that weight. Because it's not like he's 6'9", 6'10". What is he, about 6'6"? 6'6", 6'7". Six, 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 seven. I mean, he's not a tall guy. Not for that weight, no, sir. I'm like, man. And, like, and, 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 and Barkley hit it on the head, man. Like, yo, my, my I'll call it uh, my, my, my city, my home city adjacent. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that food is not healthy down there, man. That food is not that food is to be eaten in moderation. Can't, you can't talk about New Orleans food because I eat it heavy when I go. Like yeah, when you go, but you're not there all the time. Fair enough. Right. So like fair so enough. so fair if, if you're going and then you're you're there like sometimes or whatever, then that's fine. But if you're eating that if you're eating that stuff every day, bro, there's like a workout regimen that you need to have in order to like in order for it to be life sustaining, right? And I mean, so he eat New Orleans food and Houston food from the looks of him. Yeah, it looked like he it he, like he, missing, he, missing, he is not he missing, missing any meals, bro. And that's crazy to me because, like, when you think about just like the building around this kid, right? 
Yeah. Like this kid, number one pick of the draft and whatnot. Like people are looking at this kid, like, oh, he's good, he's going to be amazing. He's gonna he should be, he should be when the iteration of the top 100 uh, of all time comes out. He should be in, in that listing and whatnot with the level all of right. explosion that he has, his ability to rebound, his core vision, and his ability to just play above the rim. He has 10 solid years of playing above the rim, right? You got people like LeBron that 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 that, that have said to him, well, no, LeBron said that to uh to the boy from Phoenix. But I'm pretty sure that he's had conversations with him too about just like stay humble and get after it, right? And um, but you'll see you'll see you'll see some athletes that rededicate themselves to their craft. So for example, um yeah. last year during the playoffs, right? You have James Harden, who was huge, right? James Harden was big, like you could tell he was going through something, right? Yeah, and so you know, you get James Harden, and and look at James Harden, the slim James Harden now, right? Yeah, and look, look at, right, he slimmed down a lot, right? right. And so, is is that because he has a KD in his ear, or does is that because he has? Uh, they want to be in Houston. He want, but the thing for me is, aside from Harden, I, I got to give a lot of respect to LeBron James, right? Okay, because LeBron the longevity, the longevity, yeah. and yeah. that's the part that I don't think people understand is yeah. where when I think years. about. Yeah, 18, years. 18 years. No, see, but see, some people have an 18 year career, right? And yeah. like they have, they'll have a span of from year four to yeah. year 12. Yeah, they were, they were, they were fantastic, right? right, right. But LeBron has had an 18 year career That's right. That's to where right. he has been dominant from right. year one to right. year 18. I've never seen it done like that. And, and the thing is, for me, is that. Part of the lesson that I take from this can it be applied to how folks approach life, right? Is that you have to work at your craft. Mm -hmm. You can't be a good teacher without working at your craft, receiving critique and feedback and implementing and changing and evolving. And I think about Kobe and the work that he put in, right? And I think about the work that, uh, shout out to Isaiah Thomas that Zeke put in. um, And again, for, for all of the, you know, we talking about practice, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson played hard yes, sir. every night. He left yes, it on the, on the floor every night. When I think about Jerry Rice on the football field, played hard and prepared. Yeah, but Jerry, Jerry, Rice, Jerry Rice ran a 5-2. A and he still was a dog. <laughs> it don't matter. He still was a dog, right? And I'm just like, you, you have to prepare for what you want to become. Yeah. not be mired in mediocrity with where you're at or else you will stay there. And I, I just yeah. find, again, the preparation that goes into being a world-class athlete. Anything, a, wor- a world-class yeah, anything. anything, yeah. Right? yeah. Anything is yeah. super amazing, right? And whether you're an astronaut, a physicist, an academic, a school leader, whatever, you yeah. have to practice your craft and I just worry that the brother is not practicing his craft and doing all of the things. And Muhammad Ali, shout out to to, to the champ. He would always talk about his road work and how he had to do his road work to be prepared for the 10th round, 11th round and the 12th round. Right. Like you did your road work, not for rounds one through four. You did your road work for when it was hard. Yeah. And you don't do your road work, you know, and for again, you know, like I, 
I, I'm not a Floyd Mayweather fan, but the one thing I respect about Floyd is he that when I saw him train, he put in at yeah. work. Like I ain't never That's seen okay. or heard anyone say he came out of training camp unprepared and yeah. unwilling to put in the work, right? And I just think well, he that can't you keep, he, can't, be, he can't keep his hands off women, so I got no respect for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode <laughs> with Floyd on that, and like he ain't fighting nobody, you know. And again, being from Detroit, I'm a Tommy Hearns, like yeah. they fought everybody, like it didn't matter, yeah. you know. He, 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 they, they, they fought Roberto Duran. Shout out to Roberto Duran. I don't know if you ever seen the movie about him, man. Like, no, I didn't see the movie. Yeah, man, like it's, 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 it's amazing, man. His story. Um, and all them things. But anyway, you know, shout out to Floyd Bayweather. He should come on the show. Floyd, yeah, Floyd should definitely come on the yeah, show. We can, we, can do, we can do a lesson in literacy. Come on, man. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm just what? trying to understand. I mean, he's he's from Grand Rapids. He's a I Michigan dude. Violence. I choose violence. I don't, I don't want to choose violence, especially not with Floyd Mayweather, because, you know, he probably he out of shape. He might. And he... he I would be ducking and dodging, and he just be standing there looking. And I heard Ti Ti um pieced him up. I, yeah, that was in the Fat Burger in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, it was in the Fat Burger on the Las Vegas Strip. That's what I heard. I heard yeah, I, I saw the video clip. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, that was. How did he get Ti on the show? And Floyd, so they could have some restorative justice conversation about it because Ti <laughs> did piece him up. I forgot about that. Yeah, shout out to Ti, man. Like I love Ti's music. Hard pivot, hard pivot. What happened in Virginia, bro? Man, look, I voted first of all at okay. six thirty when the polls opened. I was there. Yeah, right. And I think that, um, and and I'll admit, right, like I'm a registered independent, so I want to be clear. Right, I'm a Republican. Yeah, I'll be we, clear we, on that too. Yeah, we already know that. Like we, we clear <laughs> on that. We yeah. clear on that. You made that clear multiple times. Right. I'm a registered independent, right? So yeah. I will admit, I think they all trash. Republican, Democrats, ain't none of them done no good for black people. So I just want to okay. be clear, right? Facts. Yep. However, when Youngkin came out and said his first day in office, he was banning critical race theory, mm -hmm. I was like, mm, what? Like, that's how you gonna finish your first day? Like banning something that ain't actually happening in schools? Like, what, what are we doing here, man? But the piece of the matter is, is that uh, the cat he was running against, uh, what, Macaulay, McAuliffe, yep. was that? Yeah. How much I remember from uh, from him. Like he was not, he wasn't memorable. Like he didn't, he didn't inspire me. Now, granted, like you know, like it ain't like I, I voted for for him, right? Because I thought Youngkin, like you gonna ban critical race theory on your first day? I can't vote for you, dog, because you you tripping, man. Like, but <laughs> I agree with economic policies or whatever, like. You feeding this this trope. Like, what are, yeah. what are you doing, man? Right? Of course. Of course. And so, but I also wasn't surprised because people don't have a boogeyman right now. Mm, right? There's that. no... You need that. You need that. You need a boogeyman. Yeah. And that's when you... And you... Or you need someone who is going to inspire you and yeah. bring you to your feet to vote. And again, I, I'm a registered independent. Right. Probably, as my homies would say, man, you probably should sign. You should register for the Green Party because you <laughs> into all that really liberal yeah. democratic socialism type stuff. Right. I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm not with that. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I don't yeah. I'm not offended when somebody says you you down with Bernie Sanders and democratic socialism. 
Yeah. Right? Bernie's yeah. an independent. Shout out to Bernie Sanders. He should come on the show too. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, is that I wasn't inspired by either one of them. But I also know that it's important for me to do my part because my ancestor paid ancestors paid the ultimate price for me to go and vote. Right. And I yeah. knew that yeah. I had to get up at the crack of dawn to go vote because I didn't yeah. have time the rest of the day. And I had to put in that work um, in an off. I mean, it was an off off year election um, in uh, New Jersey and in Virginia. But um, I, I am fearful of what's going to happen to uh, women's right to choose. Currently, I am fearful of what's going to happen to curriculum in schools. Yeah. A lot of the progress that's been made um, around legalization of marijuana and expunging uh, records of those who have been incarcerated. I'm super worried that they're going to roll all of that back and we're going to go backwards um, as a uh, as a state. Um, and, you know, Virginia is, is an interesting place uh, to live. Right. And so it's a. It's an interesting place. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So here, here, here's what I will say with regards to uh, the elections in Virginia. Yeah. Um, I feel like um, I feel like Youngkin uh, didn't win the race. I feel like uh, yeah. Christian Cinema and Joe Manchin handed him the race. Interesting. And the reason the reason why I say that is because for a whole year, right? Democrats have had the House. The Senate, Senate and the presidency. You name me some legislation that has passed, yeah. right? That we could get behind, or that a Democrat right now running for office can get behind and say, you know what? This is a win for Democrats. Fair right? enough. And so, and so what you'll see is this, right? Um, Republicans do a really good job. So Democrats have this high moral road or this high moral ground that they, that they like to play on, right? Always. Playing on a high moral ground is the reason why we have Trump in yeah. office, right? The reason why we had Trump in office for four years. And possibly, based off of uh, last night's election and based off of the closeness of the New Jersey election, it's possible that we can get four more years of Trump uh, in three years. Right. And, and as crazy as that sounds, think about what just happened last night. Right. And so, you know, another key point uh, for me is that, you know, we're thinking about critical race theory is the reason why, you know, in curriculum uh, fights or whatever. I don't think it was that at all. I think it was inflation. Right. You got folks yeah. that are going to the pump that about to be paying $4, uh, 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 $4 a gallon for gas. You're paying $4 a gallon for milk. You're paying $3 for a carton of eggs. Bro, you better go get you some do chicken. That. <laughs> Bro, I want eggs. Shout out to my homies. One of my homies got a chicken coop. I'm going to go right eggs. over to their house and get me some eggs. Like, come on. Bro, but if you're spending all this money, like, regardless of, if think about it, if you just got a pay increase or whatever, right? And then all that yeah, money is just like filtering or whatever based off of inflation, based off of these high ass prices. Like, come on, man. Yeah, like, it's the supply chain issue is another problem that I'm worried about um, because even in even in when I think about communities that are historically disenfranchised and living in a uh, in a in a food apartheid state where they don't even have access to quality food, of when course. they do get to the grocery store or even in their own neighborhoods, the food won't be healthy. Um, nope. the food is much more likely to be spoiled, and that's going to disproportionately impact uh, young folks in urban schools 
because they're going to be given the bottom of the barrel. Um, and who's going to win on that is all the big food corporations uh, making this bread um, and they getting that bag. Like it's a billion dollar industry. I won't go down the rabbit hole of talking about that because I love to talk about uh, the ways in which capitalism operates in our food system. But that's another story. Um, and I, I just I'm just worried about how the supply chain issues are going to impact uh, communities that are economically marginalized um, and, and how they're going to get access to things. Because, again, you know, and, and the question becomes for folks who have means, what are we going to do? Are we going to set up a supply chain to our brothers and sisters in historically marginalized communities? Are we going to see cooperation and and and, and, and you and uh, Sharif and, and, and Chris will really appreciate this. And Cole, are we going to see cooperation between uh, school districts and public charter schools to feed people? No. Or are we going to see this like, oh, no, like they don't go here. So we ain't feeding them like, well, bro, it happens all the time. Right. And like so, so my main argument uh, with regards to that and shout out to uh, to Gus, superintendent of Riverhead Central School District, uh, we're we're having a better partnership in terms of working for kids because we have one thing in common. We're all focused on the kids, right? And so like when you have a charter school soup and you have a district superintendent that are now focused on the needs of kids as opposed to the politics that govern uh, anything else, uh, you can get work done. You can collaborate. Like I can pick yeah, up the man. phone, I can call him. He can pick up the phone and he, and, and, and he can call me. It's just, it just it's different, right? Yeah. So. These folks have gotten over an hour of our time. First episode, no first features. Episode. Um, no features. So, closing thoughts. Uh, I, I'm, I am uh, just sitting here um, pondering what's next uh, because, um, you know, I'm worried about my 10-year-old who um, may have been exposed to COVID in his school. Um, so shout out to, to, to my big homie, John, um, and he's getting his COVID test tomorrow. He's in quarantine. Um, so praying for him and that's my dog. Like we, we roll tight. We ride our scooters together. Um, so I'm praying for him. He is old enough to get the vaccine, but because they are worried about it. Uh, so that's what's on my agenda for the next 14 days is worrying about, uh, my young king and uh, making sure he's good. Um, so I'm going to keep, uh, stay prayed up for him. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is uh, it's fantasy basketball season, man. Like I don't do fantasy <laughs> football. It's fantasy basketball season and I'm 2-0. Yeah. I'm crushing cats and I'm in a new league and they tried to play me for a chunk. So shout out to uh, the DMV uh, ballers uh, uh, and uh, my, my fantasy hoop people because uh, they tried to play me and uh, I had people offer me trash for Paul George and Sabonis. And I'm like, come on, man. They offer me James Harden for uh, Paul George. I'm like, what? Like, who does that, man? Stop this behavior. So, you know, that's that's what's on my mind, man. That's my closeout. And, uh, you know, for all the sneakerheads, keep your eye on uh, StockX because there's some uh, hot new joints uh, coming out. And I just had a new pair arrive today. Uh, I'm going to make sure I introduce them uh, on the next episode because we yeah. need to have a segment every now and then about sneakers. Yeah, facts. And show the newest joints out because you and I yeah. go back and forth on Twitter with Ramon yeah. DeJesus about the sneakers and you you kind of a hater on some of the cool sneakers. I, so, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to introduce some ones that he and I'm, I get I'm, done with. I'm going to introduce some tonight, right? And so okay. these, these, my friend, right? We're going to go around in a circle. 
Wow. So you see, so you, so you see what these are, right? Okay. So these are the pride edition of uh of the uh, of the Stan Smiths, right? Okay. So Stan Smith Pride Edition, uh, currently going for about one eighty, right? Uh, I was able to uh get a deal on 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 those joints, but those these okay. are the sneakers of the week okay. Pride Edition because you know okay. we, we definitely support the LGBTQ. IA community. Right? Well, since we're showing things, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, show yeah. Hold on, my hold on, hold on. son's new new book set that yes, he sir. wanted. Spy. Yes, what is this called? Spy. The Spy School versus Spider. So shout out to Stuart Gibbs, the author of these. It has my son excited about books. Yeah, I ordered the whole set because yeah. he came home and was telling me about these. Since we're showing things off, um, yeah. <laughs> got a shout out. Uh, my young king, and uh, he said, Dad, I want some books. I said, Yeah, got you, bro. I'm gonna order you a whole set. So yeah. now that he's in quarantine, yeah, he can read some more. So that's a uh, fact. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited for him. Yo. So, shout yeah, out man. To young no, doubt. King. no doubt. Episode praying one, for, praying for him. Episode one, folks. Thanks for coming and kicking with us. We'll be back next Wednesday. Peace, peace out.